Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I'm Mike Snyder. And I'm Bill Wills. And it's Wills and Snyder each and every morning from 5 to 9. Bill, we got a lot every day, don't we? Cleveland's Morning News with Wills and Snyder. Thanks for checking out today's podcast each and every day. Make sure you follow us and download the show. If you hear us in the morning, miss an interview or something, Mike, this is a great way to catch it on the podcast and normally around weekday morning. At your convenience, at your time, whether we're talking to Terry Pluto, Tom Hamilton, whoever it is. Of course, I'm always focused on that sports end, Bill. News, sports, traffic, and weather on the 10s. Mornings, it's Cleveland's Morning News. News with Wilson Snyder. Now, enjoy today's show. Up around here, 363. Price to beat at the pump. Money update brought to you by Union Home Mortgage. Scott Scooter is producer extraordinaire alongside Morning Scoot. Good morning, Mr. Wills. Trending coming up. Birthday party gone wrong, huh? Yeah, Cincinnati teen. A uh, tree fell on him during a birthday party, but he's in the hospital and he's recovering. Okay. We'll get to that story coming yes. up. First, uh, WTAM 1100. Traffic and weather together on the 10. And for Patty's Faith Nezovich. Your next traffic update in 10 minutes at 520. Faith Nezovich, WTAM traffic on 1100 AM and 106.9 FM. Beautiful moon uh, setting out there early uh, this morning. Tonight, there is a uh, Perseid meteor shower. They say it's one of the best showers of the year. Hopefully, the skies will be clear enough. Check them out. Uh, 50 to 60 meteors per hour we're expected to be able to uh, to see tonight. Weather today, Cleveland 3 News meteorologist Holly Strano says sun clouds mix will be in the 70s. Clear skies expected tonight, 60s. Friday sunshine, beautiful again, back into the 70s. 65 at your severe weather station. Guardians in first place. Another win last night. Nothing yet on watch, and I guess he's still going to start tomorrow in Jacksonville. Mike Snyder, sports up next. This is Cleveland's Morning News with Wills and Snyder. Here's what's trending at WTAM.com. Mr. Trending, a Scooter East producer extraordinaire. What happened in Cincinnati? There was a 13-year-old boy named Lucas in Cincinnati. He was at a French birthday party, and a tree fell on him. And here's more with the report from WLWT. Luke Cervellos is your typical 13-year-old kid. He started playing football at the age of six, and he's all these guys that he's played with, he's played with these guys throughout, and he's got a big group of guys, friends behind him. He's an outfielder, linebacker, and brother, but on Friday night, everything changed. He was at a friend's house and climbing on this obstacle course, um, and then the tree felt like he fell backwards, and then the tree, from my understanding, fell on him. That's when his friends jumped into action. And then his friends had to help get the tree off of him, um, and yeah, so they had to call paramedics. The parents called me right away. Luke suffered a small brain bleed, fractured neck, broken nose, and fractured face. But his mom is staying positive. He's hanging in there. He's been a real trooper. I couldn't be more proud of him. He's done really well. While he's battling inside the hospital, the community is stepping up. There aren't words, m- amount of money that I could share my gratitude to express how overwhelmed I am with everyone who has helped. More than $6,000 has been raised to help pay for Luke. How about that? I mean, that's amazing. 
just a freakish accident. Yes. But the you know kid's helping out right away, and hopefully he's going to be okay. Yeah, they, yeah. they sprang into action. Thank God wow. for him. And he's going to, the doctor says he's going to make a full recovery, walk out of the hospital. Will's Insider Facebook story's up there. If you'd like to donate and uh, and help even more, you can do that. Yes, so, you thanks can. Thanks for doing it. All right, You're good. Thank you. Uh, coming up in five, Andy Nikoloff over at Cleveland.com. Cleveland Plain Theater will join me. We normally talk to Mark Bona over there about new restaurants and things. Mark's got the week off. And he'll check out a new couple new places, including, I guess, a great bagel shop in Cleveland Heights that uh, opened here in the last couple of weeks. So, uh, Annie will take us here. We'll talk more about that and some other things coming up. 515 Sports. Let's talk about our teams now. Mike Snyder. Hi, Bill. The Guardians took an early 3-0 lead over the Tigers and then held on for a 3-2 win over Detroit as they move into sole possession of first place in the division. And when I say held on, I mean it. Let's go to the eighth inning. Tigers loaded the bases with one out against James Karinchek, who then strikes out Eric Haas in a dramatic nine-pitch at bat. Haas had worked the count to 3-2. and two. All right, two men out. Now Karinchek had to deal with Tigers rookie Karen Carpenter. And the count goes to three and two again. The right-handers ready. Here it comes. Strike three called. A knee-buckling curveball. And Karinchek screaming as he comes to the first base dugout taking his cap off. And the umpire that has to look at his hand, it's kind of like... Settle down. Yeah, settle down a little bit. Ease up a little, little bit, James. Uh, Class A then came on to get the save in the ninth. The Guardians win the game 3-2. to two. Now, how about Karinchek, who now has worked in his last 12 games, 13 and two-thirds scoreless innings. I'm working out of that jam, Tito says. I would say that was a tightrope. But he got out of it. I mean, he, he, a lot of bending, but no break. Also on the mound, Aaron Savali off the injured list. He retired the first nine hitters he faced. He then gave up two runs in the fourth. So not a bad return as they try to get him back into the mix. And last night, rookie Will Benson got his first big league hit. The Guardians win, coupled with Minnesota's loss to the streaking Dodgers, who've won 10 in a row. That means Cleveland has a one-game lead over the Twins in the division as they enter play today and seek a sweep in Detroit this afternoon. It's a 110 start. Zach Plesak gets the call. You can hear it right here and free on the iHeartRadio app. The Browns will play their starters for a while tomorrow night in preseason game one in Jacksonville. And that means Deshaun Watson will be on the field. Of course, that's barring a suspension, and that could come down prior to tomorrow's game. Well, it won't happen this year, and we'll have more on the Browns in a moment. It won't happen this year, but in 2023, the NFL will add another game to the Thanksgiving weekend. It'll will be on Black Friday, and it's likely to be a late afternoon game. Home of the Guardians and the Cavs, Mike Snyder, WTAM Sports. This Browns training camp report is brought to you by Hofbra House. The party's always brewing at Hofbra House. The Browns arrived in Jacksonville yesterday, really a day earlier than they usually go for a game, but Coach Kevin Stefanski said they want to do a little team bonding and kind of get away from their own facility for an extra day, and that's what they're doing. Safety John Johnson already believes this team is closer together. I feel like we're a much closer team, and I think like the most connected team usually wins. You know, when you get down and like late in games, um, you need that little, that extra little push, that extra chemistry with one another to, you know, to get over that hump. So, and again, the news tomorrow night, Deshaun Watson scheduled to start at quarterback. Jaguars are also expected to have Trevor Lawrence start as they'll go with their first group uh, for a little while in tomorrow's seven o'clock kickoff. With today's training camp report, I'm Mike Snyder. Normally, we get a chance to catch up with Mark Bona, Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. Mark taking some uh, well-deserved time off, but we are so pleased to be joined by uh, 
Any Nikolov, who uh, Mark talks about many times in posting stories, and you see things that she posts as well at Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer when it comes to uh, restaurants and events and things. And, Annie, first of all, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. So excited to be here. All right, a couple stories to, uh, to to work in here, some things you have posted. Uh, let's first go over to Cleveland Heights and tell me about this new, uh, b- b- literally new bagel place, if you will, that's opened on Lee Road. Yes, literally in the name. The name of the place is New Bagel. Uh, It's spelled kind of the old-fashioned way to spell bagel. So it's N-U and then old-fashioned bagel. Um, This is a spot that opened in mid-July. Josh Admin is the chef owner. He moved here from Israel two years ago, but he had lived all over the world uh, working in all different types of restaurants. He came here to Cleveland and opened up a restaurant purely focused on making the best bagel that he possibly can. Mm. And it sure seems like people have latched onto it. You know, he told me there have been lines out the door since they've opened. They've been selling out of bagels uh, many days of the week that they've been open. And, you know, he, he makes them in a traditional way, um, you know, lets them ferment for a few days in the fridge boils them in the sweet molasses water mix to give it a little bit of sweetness, and then bakes them in a stone oven. So every bagel that comes out of this place has been in the works for a few days at that point. You know, you can tell he takes a lot of pride into what he does, and it's just really exciting to see that enter into the Cedar Lee neighborhood. I think it's right around the corner from the Cedar Lee Theater. Such a great addition for that area. It's a wonderful area. A lot of nice little restaurants, shops and things. Get out and walk around. You're right, Cedar Lee's always got some enjoyable things. Now, these bagels, i got to get over there. They sound delicious. He's also got a nice mixture of schmears, things you can enjoy on a bagel, too. Yeah, he, you know, he keeps it pretty straightforward. I think he only has five bagel flavors. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the traditional, you got the poppy seed, um, everything, everything spicy, uh, and the sesame seeds, and then plain. So that's, mm. that's what you can get on the bagel side. And then for the schmears, uh, you can get cream cheeses that are mixed with Kalamata olives, mm. uh, red onion and capers, sriracha, horseradish dill. And then one that I kind of want to try is the cinnamon raisin nut schmear. That sounds really good to me. That um, and you can also top them with smoked salmon and kimchi, uh, cucumbers and red onion, all different types. But really, you know, he told me on the phone, don't expect to come in here and get a bagel sandwich. Don't expect to get egg and cheese and bacon. He doesn't focus <laughs> on that, but more focus on just the bagel. You can tell that's, that's the prime focus here. Good to know. Takes pride in his work. That's all we need to do, just do a nice quality bagel. I like that. All right, Cleveland Heights, get over there on Lee Road. New bagels that uh, opened up a couple of uh, weeks ago. Any Nikoloff with me over Cleveland Plain Dealer. Cleveland.com. couple of things coming up. Uh, yeah, it's getting that time. It's going to be Oktoberfest before we know it out at the uh, fairgrounds. But, of course, we do it in September, right? Of course, yeah. And, and, again, for this year, we're doing it for two weekends. I think last year was the first year they introduced the second weekend for Oktoberfest. And this year they're doing that once again, September 2nd to 5th and 9th to 10th. And, uh, you know, consistently one of the biggest events in Northeast Ohio of the year. I think they expect over 100,000 people to show up. Uh, and it's just always such a great time. I mean, I've been a couple of times. I love trying all the different beers and food. You can get schnitzel and pretzels and sausages. But my favorite part of Oktoberfest is the wiener dog races that oh, they yeah. host. Where you get yeah. all those wiener dogs racing in that track. It's just the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> so that's coming up right around the corner. Uh, ClevelandOktoberfest.com has all the info. All right, one more story here. Let's go over to Ohio City. And tell me about Chulala's uh, newest location there. Uh, they're, they're Indian, I guess, 
Indian food more of a fast food casual type category within that, Annie? Yeah, yeah. Chula is, you can kind of customize bowls there. It's sort of like, if, if, comparing it to Chipotle, you can, you can decide what you want to go into your bowl. Mm-hmm. You can also order different Indian foods there. I know they have really stellar tikka masala. They have naan. They have a, a really far ranging menu. Something I really appreciate about the menu is if you think Indian food is too spicy, you can kind of decide how spicy you want it to be by adding okay. sauces. And so if you, if you really don't like heat, you can just get it without any sauce added. If you want to add some heat, I tried one of their hottest sauces and it, it was uh, pretty spicy even mm. for me. Um, so just really great food. The space is just amazing in Ohio City and that they have these uh, front and back windows that they can open up, just letting all this air and light in. And it used to be a Howard Hanna office. You cannot tell from how they've set it up now. Uh, it's completely transformed the space into this really hip, new, fast, casual restaurant. And I think that really brings a lot to that neighborhood to have a place that's quick, uh, less dining in, just faster for people that are getting lunch on the go. Um, and I know, too, with their ingredients, like they really focus on using fresh everything. You know, they make everything in-house. Nothing is, you know, preserved or anything like that. So you can really taste it in their food. They're at uh, 1903 West 25th. Uh, congratulations and best of luck to them. If you want to check out something new in Ohio City at uh, Chulala that uh, that has the uh, great selection of Indian food. Fun stuff. Annie Nikoloff, Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com. In for Mark Bona this week. If you don't already, follow her on Twitter, Nikoloff Off. You can check out. She's tweeting out stories all the time and, of course, writing up some great places for us to enjoy here in the greater Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. Hey, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Speaking of sports, let's talk about the cost of uh, enjoying the National Football League. Our Aaron Real checks in this morning. I was reading... Um, couple of stats from last year, I think a family of four, if you can get a family of four together to, first of all, on the schedules to get people together is a challenge. Sometimes it's like well over 500 bucks to go to a game nowadays. Yes, well over 500. And the Cleveland Browns, very popular, one of the most expensive franchises by 2025 to bring a family of four. So Betaway Sportsbook, they analyzed the increase in prices since 2019. And doing this, they were able to project the amount of money that you would have to pay for a ticket in 2025. Now, what they did is they looked at six different factors when they were computing this data set, average mm-hmm. price of ticket, parking, beer, soft drink, hot dog, adult jersey. So you had a full day. The basics. The stadium. Yeah, the basics. The basics. But if you got all four together, you were able to talk to everyone. They all came together. The cost of a ticket by 2025 for and the overall price for the Cleveland Browns, the ticket is $185. The price for a family of four is $1,043.82. So, if you want to go to a game, you better be ready to shell out a pretty penny by 2025. I don't know how families do it, but they do. Uh, I guess you prioritize and you, you you do what you want. And if you're you're passionate about your team, you, you go by and you experience it. I know friends of mine that have season tickets. It's kind of like their vacation fund. That's what they, you know, they don't do Hilton Head or Myrtle Beach. They just do season tickets for the NFL. Exactly. And know what really shocked me about this, the, the, when they broke down the different prices, yeah. the jersey cost. It's $218.35 for a jersey. That's a lot of money for a shirt. <laughs> Especially if the player's not going to be here after a year or two. Right? You know? Yeah, that's a, I, I, and I understand it's a big part of experiencing the game, wearing the jersey, but um, 
it's that I was like, if you just omit the jersey, you can save a, a lot of money on on a game. It, it seems very, very expensive. But it's kind of interesting because we all know that the NFL is one of the most lucrative sports organizations in the world. Now they only have thirty. Excuse me, they only have seventeen games a season and thirty two teams, and we know salaries are super, super sure. costly. At least a hundred million. But they're trying to maximize the value of every seat every parking space, every hot dog, and boy, are they doing it. It's the National Football League. They will squeeze every penny out of you. Every penny. All right, Aaron Real with the stats this morning. Aaron, thanks much. Thanks. Take care. Yeah, it is uh, is costly. Uh, I don't see how, I mean, you know, baseball games, football. Everything is gone. Cavs games, it's just, it's costly. You know, what the NFL has working for it, though, is the limited number of games. Right, exactly. You know, so that those numbers you have there, people, as you say, people can make that fund and make it instead of maybe traveling, they got those eight games. And they know you'll buy them. Yes. They got a list. Well, that's the thing. You know what? The demand bill, they they could play games at three in the morning and people would watch. That's the way it's going. Wouldn't matter. Let's talk about your money. Wall Street had a good reaction yesterday to this uh, uh, consumer price index, the inflation number, bringing Rory O'Neill on that and some news on the Social Security front, too. Hey, Rory, good morning. Good morning, Bill. Uh, Good news yesterday. Dow was up over 500 points. NASDAQ strong. S&P with a strong day, too. And this this CPI index was up 8.5, which was less than what Wall Street expected, I guess. Well, right. Actually, so 8.5 is year-over-year inflation. So prices are up 8.5% from where they were a year ago. But month-to-month was the surprising number. This showed that from June to July, prices didn't go up at all. Uh, So it was that 0.0 number that really surprised pleasantly Wall Street yesterday. That's why we saw the big rally. So Wall Street's happy and Main Street's happy, too. Uh, I paid less for gas last month, I guess, but more for groceries. That uh, that pretty much looked to be the headline. That sums it up. Yeah, eggs, I think, are up 38%. Coffee's up 20%. Even a gallon of milk is up about 15% from where it was a year ago. But for most of us, uh, gas is now under 4 bucks a gallon, maybe yeah. a dollar, dollar and a half less than what it was uh, even a month ago. Are you saying the chickens are making too much money? Are you starting to pick on the chickens? <laughs> it's coming home to roost. All right. Now, if mom, dad, grandma, grandpa are relying on Social Security, what's new there? Uh, yeah, so that now that we have this July figure, we can get a better idea as to how much Social Security benefits will increase with the cost of living adjustment for next year. It could hit about $159 per month. That is if these numbers hold. So that would be about a $1,900 annual increase in Social Security benefits. That's the most, I think, since 1981. That would help a lot of people that depend on Social Security. All right. Our Rory O'Neill on a few money topic uh, headlines of the morning. Rory, thanks much. This is Cleveland's Morning News with Wills and Snyder. Here's what's trending at WTAM.com. Only Scooter East producer extraordinaire can find a story about a bra involving the U.S. Army. What's going on Yes, the U.S. Army is developing a combat-ready bra. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. The U.S. Army is working on something historic, a combat-ready bra designed for female soldiers. The Army Tactical Brazier will be the first official uniform bra that the Army has offered female soldiers in history. It's still in development, and the design team has talked to hundreds of female soldiers to design the proper fit, function, support, and performance. Because it's considered tactical and not just a sportswear item, the bra has gone through a lot of testing, even including flame-resistant testing. There you go. <laughs> now maybe uh, Kramer and uh, Costanza's dad will invent the the bro, the man's ear for the That army. was funny. Yes. That was, I got you. That was funny. Well, man's ear. makes a lot of sense. It yes. really does. does make a lot of sense. Yes. Absolutely. Well, it's you taking him so long. There shouldn't be a guy involved. It should, women should just 
design the whole thing. Right on. You know? Now, there are some fathers of daughters that would love to have a military-style bra. <laughs> I'm sure they would. <laughs> like this. See that? But anyway, secret, does, right? Enough about that <laughs> yes. topic. All right. Uh, aviation expert Jay Radliff will join us in five. We'll talk more about flying, more on the bra story. Wills and Snyder Facebook, WillsAndSnyder.com. Scoot, thanks much. You're welcome. Have a fine Army day. Entertainment news, names, notes trending this morning. Just so you know, here's uh, Jason Nathanson. It's time to hit the field once again with the Rockford Peaches. She doesn't look like that much competition. The movie A League of Their Own, now a TV series, starring Darcy Carden and Melanie Field as 1940s women who just want to play ball. Carden tells me the movie meant everything to her. You know, it was one of those movies that, like, when you see it as a kid, it, like, kind of breaks your brain open. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, isn't, it wasn't just like a, I like that. It was kind of like a... A League of Their Own debuts Friday on Prime Video. Thanks to shows like Obi-Wan Kenobi. When the time comes, he must be trained. Disney Plus showing no sign of the subscriber losses challenging Netflix. Disney, the parent company of ABC News, reporting a gain of 14.4 million subscribers for Disney Plus in the third quarter, beating analyst estimates of 10 million. Don't you think I had dreams and hopes? And happy birthday to Oscar, Emmy, and Tony Award-winning actress Viola Davis. She's 57 today. Never forget you first. While Thor, Chris Hemsworth, is 39. Jason Nathanson, ABC News. Hollywood. 654, this Bill Wills. Every uh, week, our Faith Nezovich, who's uh, working for Pat this morning doing traffic, uh, spends some time over at Cleveland APL and uh, gets some pictures and video. And there's a story about an animal each week that needs a home. And I just tweeted the picture. Oh, my goodness. What a sweet girl this little Coco is. She did. Gorgeous. A a total sweet face. Go to WTAM.com, keyword APL, and you will meet Coco. She is about four years old. Now, what you're seeing when you look at the photo is Coco in better shape than when she first came to the APL. She came in through Humane Investigations Mm. and was obviously not very well cared for. Mm. She had almost no fur Mm. from a uh, a dermatitis-type skin condition. And once the the vets gave her a good workup, they found out she had a thyroid issue as well. So um, the skin issue is getting better. She's got medicine for that. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that fur is kind of coming back. I think you might see a little, like, maybe a chocolate lab in her. Yes. That coloring is there. Um, The thyroid thing, obviously, is something that uh, her new family will need to keep on top of for the rest of her life, but Mm -hmm. that's usually a a pretty simple thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They gave her to a foster home to obviously kind of decompress and feel better, Mm -hmm. and now that she is feeling better, the foster family says her her personality has really come out, and she is very loving and very sweet. Aww. Loves to cuddle up next to you, so Aww. you know it's kind of one of those Aww. exactly what you want for a family dog. The eyes, I just right. keep looking at the eyes. <laughs> oh. Oh. She is she's really pretty. Um, uh, she loves to go on walks. So again, one of those great family dogs. They do recommend, of course, a meet and greet if you have yeah. other dogs in the family. She yeah. has done well meeting other dogs and uh, a meet and greet with kids as well if you've okay. got kids. Um, you know, a lot of this dermatitis stuff is stress related. So you right. just want to make sure that everybody gets along and right. it's a successful adoption. And she's going to stay in her foster home until she finds her forever family. So if okay. you are interested in Coco, you can follow the links at WTAM.com and they will hook you up with a meet and greet uh, with her foster family. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to foster families, too. Yes, right? They do such absolutely. an important part of what the APL's mission is. Just uh, giving some time and some place for a little love. For, uh, for some of those. And sometimes that's exactly what they need. And yeah. and the foster families can give you a really good idea of what the animal's true personality is. Because sometimes, as much as the uh, 
the shelter itself mm-hmm. tries to make a positive experience for everyone, it can be stressful for animals to be there. And she's only like four, right? Right, right. So still, old? still fairly young. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Coco, gotta see Coco. Uh, WTAM.com. Uh, click down there and go to AP, uh, click on the uh, the APL. Click on a little search for APL, and you'll see uh, you'll see Coco. Just absolutely gorgeous. I, I tell you, if you're looking for a featured furry friend, looking for some unconditional right. love, you got the uh, the family with the kids and back to school, and your routines changing. You've been thinking about it. Please, now's a great time, and uh, Coco could well be the answer to uh, uh, what you're uh, what you're looking for. Faith Nesovich, thanks as always for going over there too. Thank you. Appreciate it. Six fifty seven News Radio WTAM eleven. What if you could have a career? where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And now, five good minutes. First, White House correspondent John Decker checks in. Yesterday, New York, in front of the uh, the AG there. Now, now John, is, can we say this is separate than the story that played out Monday at Mar-a-Lago? It is separate. Completely separate than what happened at Mar-a-Lago with that search by FBI agents at the president's home there. Uh, this is a civil fraud investigation that's being conducted by the Attorney General of the State of New York looking into the business practices of the former president and his company, the Trump Organization. As you pointed out, uh, the president sat for a deposition six hours, and over the course of those six hours, uh, he pleaded the Fifth Amendment, invoked his Fifth Amendment rights over 400 times. Uh, and that's not a good thing for the president, Bill. I'll tell you why. The judge will now instruct the jury that will adjudicate this case, that they can make a negative inference by the fact the president took the Fifth Amendment in this particular case. Now, this has been playing out for a long time. This has something to do with loans and valuations of property and that sort of thing, right? Well, yeah, I'll just explain it really. Hopefully this is simple for you. Uh, What the claim is, is that the Trump Organization and the former president inflated the values of certain properties in order to obtain loans against the value of those properties, and then deflated the value of those properties to lower his tax burden. Uh, you do that enough times, you run into criminal liability. And in fact, there's a parallel criminal investigation going on right now by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. And just to reinforce, yes, you're allowed to take the fifth. Don't get us wrong. But I mean, it, 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 it doesn't look good, right? It, it doesn't look good. You are correct. Uh, the former president also, uh, has often said negative things about people who invoke the Fifth Amendment. He once said, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? So, yes, it does not look good. Uh, if, you know, and so, but it's, uh, it's every American's right. Uh, Absolutely. And he's simply invoking his constitutional rights and invoking his Fifth Amendment rights. Absolutely. All right, White House correspondent John Decker. John, thanks. Thank you. Let's Bye-bye. go back to Monday. Mar Largo, I've got former FBI guy Brad Garrett. Uh, look, uh, only a few people know exactly what played out, what they were looking for, that sort of thing. Having said that, walk me through this. You've been in a situation many times with the FBI, maybe not going after a former president when it comes to a uh, uh, a search like this. But, but, but walk us through, and you may have to speculate a little, so I will, we'll allow that, okay? Okay, so let All me right. base this on 35 years of doing it. So it wasn't a raid. It was an orderly search warrant, which occurs all the time in cases 
of, for lack of better terms, a white-collar search, right? Yeah. You're not yeah. going into a drug dealer's house. Yeah. They knock on the door. Secret Service comes to the door. They show them the warrant. They let them in. Looks like to me they pretty much focused on uh, President Trump's office um, and a storage area maybe in the low, one of the lower floors of Mar-a-Lago. Um, made a detailed inventory of what they were taking. Uh, and then left a copy of that inventory and a copy of the warrant and and left. And so let's start with that. Now, the idea that they even got a warrant to go into a former president's house is beyond a big deal, which tells me, because I've gotten high-profile warrants, not like this in the past, the number of people who have to vet that warrant, I'm, I'm sure the agent lost weight that was trying to get this approved, <laughs> based on the number of lawyers, right. both at, at the FBI, at DOJ, and ultimately the upper management and, and, and the attorney general himself, which, you know, n- none of us went to the attorney general to get a warrant signed, uh, maybe a couple of times for me. But the point being is the level of probable cause, the level of concern that the only way they were going to be able to get this is just to go in and, and take it, um, they would have really had to have had tight information about possible document destruction, that the, what they figured out was there was so highly sensitive that it just could not stay in this unsensitive environment any longer. Um, and so I'm just, I'm suggesting to the public that they had a lot of information and a lot of corroboration of that evidence, of that information, yeah. and probably from interviewing people that worked directly with the president. So let's wait and see. You know, you, we, we talk about Marlago as his, uh, his getaway, his home, that sort of thing. I mean, it really served as a Southern White House. For, and he worked out of there, and he was you know, obviously able to do that uh, for the four years he was there, uh, uh, Brant. Right. But, you know, the problem with that is that, and that's fine. I mean, obviously, President that Biden goes to Rehoboth because he has a home there. That's great. But he doesn't really conduct White House. I mean, does he have phones and security? Of course he does. But he doesn't invite foreign dignitaries to to his house in Rehoboth. And Trump did that regularly, having people that are from other governments there. And, and I understand why he did that. But if you're going to have classified documents and other stuff there, I mean, the two just don't mix. So you know, we'll see how that sorts out, but you know, this is a story that is not going to unwind quickly, yeah. only because of the sensitive nature of what they possibly see. And finally, I guess we don't know how long this is going to take. We may not hear any more officially about this for weeks or months or, or, or today. Who knows, huh? Yeah, my guess is at some point, I mean, think of the tough position the attorney general's in at this point. You know, it's kind of like if I talk about it, you know, People are going to say X. If I don't, right. they're going to say Y. Right. Um, and he can only really talk about it in very general terms at this point anyway. All right. Former FBI guy Brad Garrett, great insight. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Take care, Bill. 1100, the first place guard. Nice and clean first place this morning, right? Yeah, there is. Sole we're possession. Not, we're not yep. sharing with not, anybody no right sharing. now. How about no. that on the 11th of August? Let's talk that? about it. Bring in Jim Rosenhaus. 3-2 win in Detroit uh, last night. Jim, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. Speaking of Detroit, I mean, look, one of these teams we ought to be beating, they are struggling. They even fired their general manager yesterday, right? Yeah, rough day at the, the ballpark for the Tigers and their fans, for sure. It's, uh, they've been on a rebuild for a while now, and it just wasn't working. It wasn't going anywhere, and they took a huge step back this year. So 
Al Avila was uh, relieved of his duties, I think the uh, release said, and um, they'll start that search now to, to try and find someone who can turn it around here. Well, let's talk about the Guardians right now, Jim. They're quite a story. Uh, the There are just so many things to talk about, really, every day. But James Karinchek and what he worked out of last night, that was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was. And, and you know, you looked at the, the jam he was in, and, and it just was heading down a bad road. And um, But when you're, when you're a strikeout pitcher and in today's game, if you have those power arms in the back of your bullpen, you can work out of jams like that. He ended up striking out the side with with a lot of trouble in between, <laughs> but that that allows you to get out of stuff like that. So um, they needed to be sharp the bullpen because uh, it was just a one run lead, and, and the offense was done for the night at that point. And um, they got it done. It was it was remarkable. Now we know we won't have him in Toronto this weekend, but boy, you look at that uh, that back end of the pen now, Jim, with with him and Classe. That is that that is pretty pretty strong right now. The way they're going, isn't it? Yeah, and, and and Mike, isn't it that isn't that what every team looks for? Some consistency where they can get to an end of the game and know that that they have a really really good chance to wrap it up. And, and Terry Francona has that luxury with Class A, and now Karen Check coming to the forefront again, and and other arms too. Nick Sandlin worked out of a tough spot. Uh, Brian Shaw was sharp last night, so. Um, you know, you mix in Trevor Steppen in there. That there's a lot of names that are really performing well, and and you don't feel like they've been overused to this point, uh, which bodes well here for for the last month and a half or so. You know, Jim, we've talked about the young guys, and another one last night, Will Benson, getting his first big league hit to drive in a run. Seems like there's something about them every night. But I was listening last night to you, and and Ahmed Rosario, he at least entering play last night, he was. Um, it's tied for the lead in hits in the American League. This guy has been the pro's pro, but he's really getting it done, isn't he? He is, and and, and you said it right there, Mike, the pro's pro. Uh, you know, the, the other players on that team look up to him because of, of his approach every day and, and the way he hustles and, and just enjoys the game and the way he's improved in in the time that he has been here. This is not the same player they acquired from the Mets. Um, there were signs of it, but not certainly not the consistency and the defense that he's shown. I know he made an error last night, but his defense has been tremendous. And yes, leading, uh, at least going into play last night, tied for the lead. How about that? Hit. Right. So yeah, he's getting it done offensively too. Speaking of youth, we keep talking about, I retweeted a little stat this morning, uh, that was posted the, uh, MLB teams that are young, average batter uh, age 26 or less, average pitcher 26.4 years or less since back in 1947. Youngest team was the 1970 Reds. Google them, kids. They had a pretty good run for many years. Yeah, they did. The 69 Mets, the 88 Padres, our Guardians, this year's right now Guardians, uh, Jim Rosenhouse, ranks fourth in Major League Baseball as far as youth over the years. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're young, you you don't know what you don't know, and that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> but and also, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm there. But even the veterans are young on this team, so that's good. And then it, you know, sometimes it's not good, but I think in this case, and it's proven out now over four months. It's pretty good for this ball club. And Jim, if there's ever a guy that you know should have his team score like eight runs in the first three innings today, it's Zach Plesac. He he would deserve that, doesn't he? <laughs> Does. Zach's had one of those years where he's pitched okay, but uh, the record doesn't reflect it. Uh, they don't score runs for him. There's some defensive miscues behind him, but he keeps going out there and, and you know trying to go out there with a, a real 
good outlook about it, and um, we'll see how he fares today. But you're right; they, they could, yeah, they could put up a, a big number early. I'm, I'm sure he'd appreciate that. One ten first pitch. We'll have our uh, Union Home Mortgage Guardians game day start at noon today on News Radio WTAM eleven hundred, home of the Guardians, and off to Toronto for the weekend. Jim Rosenhouse tomorrow morning this time. Jensen Lewis will check in, preview the series uh, with us. Jim, thanks, pal. See you, Jim. Okay. See you, buddy. Guardians fan fact answer to Marlo Hale, the uh, the answer bench coach under uh, Terry Francona is with him in Boston and uh, part of the Guardians. The Marlo Hale, your Guardians fan fact answer this morning from WTAM 1100. Oh, also tomorrow, Fred Greetham will join us. Best Browns coverage yeah. they got uh, at Jacksonville. They're at Jacksonville, the first preseason game, and all the starters, or most of them, are going to see some action tomorrow. So uh, something to look forward to. We'll get Fred's thoughts. Uh, Thursday, Jimmy Malone after 9, he normally does the knuckleheads in the news. Got a couple out of Florida here real quick. Florida woman facing yeah. domestic assault charges after allegedly throwing a raw steak. Not sure of the cut. Okay. Uh, at her boyfriend, Rochelle Wright, and her partner reportedly intoxicated. No. Uh, when the incident no. occurred, she called police. So they've been arguing. He said, yeah. yeah, she threw a steak at me. Yeah. Uh, he ducked, but it hit the wall. I guess they, they arrested them both. Penel- okay. Anyway. They were and, intoxicated, uh, huh? They were intoxicated. Okay. Yeah. And one more here. A Florida yes. man is facing some legal trouble after allegedly trying to steal a man's clothes while naked and armed with a machete. I tell you, Florida's mm. just a mixing pot. Yeah. It is amazing. The yeah. incident uh, happened Tuesday. man claimed that Brandon Wright was running towards him. Okay. Demanded his clothes, wallet, and the phone. After a brief encounter, the suspect fled. Video shows a nude Wright walking in the middle of the street into oncoming traffic, eventually surrendered mm. to police and was arrested at a nearby gas station. All right. I'm not sure if Jimmy's got those two, but I thought I'd mention a couple knuckleheads. There you go. And uh, Jimmy will have more after nine. And two of those, both out of Florida, Both right? out of Florida. Yeah. I mean, you when you always, go there, I always you, say, okay, good Bill, what's good that in news out of Florida? There you go. Jimmy Malone show up next. We're back in the morning. News, sports, traffic and weather together on the 10s. Fox updates. Jason Lewis on the Guardians at 845. And our buddy Fred Griefen checks in for best Browns coverage. I think the Sean will start tomorrow night. A lot could happen between now Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.